it's amazing uh, the number of things that we're able to do with uh, the tithe and offering. I, I talk about it all the time. I won't uh, inundate you with the, the data uh, today, but this church does a lot in the community. This church does a lot uh, around the world in different missions. And so thank you again for your giving in advance. God is doing some great things. So today we're going to start a series on the church, how the church is birthed. Uh, and I have a, a different take of it, on it, uh, so you want to kind of just hang with me for uh, a moment through it. But the church started in basically uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, okay? And so as the birthing of the church takes place, uh, there are certain things that have happened over the centuries. I go back right before the death, burial, and resurrection and talk a little bit to you about Peter today and Peter's scenario on, on what the Lord allowed him to go through, in my opinion, so that he could be a better church member, so he could be a leader of the church. Some denominations would have him as the original leader. We would say, yes, he was one of the true first leaders of the church. He preached maybe the first sermon in Acts, the second chapter, and we move on for that. James, Jesus' brother, uh, in uh, the Council of Jerusalem, Acts, the 15th chapter, stands up and say, I, James, and uh, uh, we're going to make this call. Gentiles can be incorporated. So he kind of assumes a leadership role as well. But Peter, Paul, James, uh, Jesus' brother, John, all early, early leaders of the church. Why is that important? Because the church is still going on today. And as the church goes on uh, today, we have a certain opportunity, we have certain uh, responsibilities that we need to do or be as the church. And so we'll look at Peter's falling away a little bit to understand how maybe the church is born. And as, as the church is born through this, some of the things that we can take away. How, how is the Lord leading us through different scenarios? How is the Lord taking us through maybe valleys in our life? Sometimes because we're just who we are, a lot of times, maybe a Western civilization, we want to wish away bad things or we want to rebuke bad things. And sometimes those things are in our life so that we understand how to navigate through them and walk through them. And so this is something that we see and learn through, through Peter. So we're going to go to Luke's gospel. We're going to go to the 22nd chapter. We're going to read 31 through 34. Then we'll bounce around Luke just a little bit to kind of see how Peter's story uh, uh, plays out. So, Simon, Simon, this is Jesus speaking. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Father, we just pray for, uh, Lord, our hearts to be open, to understand, to grab, to gravitate to all that you have, to, Lord, let our hearts be pure right now, Lord, to just receive the word that you have for us so that we can walk through issues, understand them, and know them. Father, we love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. So it's, it's an odd scripture that may start what we would say the church movement. But I think 
uh, in totality that God, Christ, has to allow Peter to walk through some things. And I'm, I'm interested here in, in why he allows it. And so in studying this, these three or four verses, and I see that, you know, Jesus is saying, hey, Satan wants you, Peter. And then Peter, in his brashness, Peter, in his boldness, he said, I'll go to prison with you. I'll go to death with you. And, and you kind of, like, Peter is super, super spiritual. Like, he walked with Jesus for, for three years. Like, you know, he's, the, he's, that, he's that church member that always has all the answers. And, and he's bold. And Peter, like this, this young Peter, he, he's someone who probably maybe speaks before he doesn't think. And I think Jesus likes that about him. You know, he, he leaves his fishing business behind. He, he jumps on board. I'm going to go with you. And he's kind of like the, he's the church member. I'll, I'll play it out for you for a second because it maybe maybe it'll help you he's the he's the church member who can't get enough like the guy and we don't we have two young ladies sitting on the front row but he's the person who's sitting on the front row and he just can't get enough like his, his feet are bouncing and he's saying preach pastor preach he's like he's an amen in everything like a pastor might say Jesus wept yeah pastor amen go get him and he's all fired up and that's Peter and that's sometimes how we get to be in the church. It's like, man, I just can't get enough. Uh, Jane and I have been pastoring here for almost 13 years, and we've had people say, man, I just cry when I'm in the parking lot, and pastor, services are so good. It's like, have you seen so-and-so lately? No, they were crying on the way out of the parking lot. So Peter is here as a church member, and he's excited. And then you see him maybe after six months, they move back just a little bit. I'm not knocking anybody who sits in the back, but maybe they're like, they, they, take, a, they take another, like, oh, man, this is, like, that's a good word, but hey, where are we eating at later? We're we going to go somewhere? Like, they're, they're amening, but they're not really here. Like, and then, and that, that's, I'm not, like, if you, wherever you're sitting at, don't, Act like I'm condemning you right now because I would sit in the back myself too if I wasn't preaching because then I could get to the door earlier and get to the restaurant before you all get there. But Peter, like, he's moving back, right? It's like you've seen them. Like they're, like, they're excited, but then they start to move back a little bit. It's like, oh, man, is one shirt's going to get over with? Come on. Amen. They'll stand and raise their hands because Janie tells them to. Yeah, worship, praise God. Or sometimes we worship the worship, don't we? Like, we ain't worshiping God. We're just worth, like, oh, it's my favorite song. Dear Jesus, God was in the house today because it's my favorite song, you know? You bring Jesus with you. But then what happens is we get to the back row. Jerry, I'm not talking about you. We get to the back row and we kind of lean on maybe a chair and say, is he done yet? Man alive. There's, there's just no meat in this place. I, like I need, I got to get fed. Like I need somebody just to feed me, man. Listen, my wife's a great cook and, and every meal is good. But it's also a lot better if I come hungry. Are you with me? The hungrier you come to church, the more you're going to get fed. And the only way, the way the body works is if you're hungry, if you, if you eat, where's, a little, where's Foltz at? Is he in here yet? Guy eats six or seven times a day. He, he's always eating, no matter what. The guy just, he's eating and eating and eating. If we were that way spiritually, what kind of dynamos would we be? If we just kept eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. 
But here's the problem. We get to this point where all of a sudden, nah, you know, I don't need church. Like, I'm, I'm, I went from front row super spiritual to halfway out the door thinking that the church can't feed me anymore, and I don't really need the church. Are you with me? Now, let's go to the 54th verse of that same chapter, Luke 22. Then they seized him, talking about Jesus, led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. Hear that. Because that's sometimes what happens to us in the church world. We grow a little bit of coldness in us. And here's what Jesus told the church at Laodicea. I'd rather have you hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of your mouth, out of my mouth. What's that? So some, one guy said, well, if I'm going to be cold, I'm just going to be cold all the way. That's a misinterpretation of the whole scripture. The scripture is, I'm going to have you hot or cold. If you've ever been to Glenwood Springs, Colorado, the water there comes out of the ground at 120 degrees. They have to cool it down for you to take a hot bath. Or it comes out of the Colorado River at 46 degrees. I know because we jumped in it one day. Okay, so it's either hot or cold. They're both refreshing. But if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out. The thing that God doesn't want is for the church to grow cold on our watch. And what happens is we have, sometimes you'll have a person like Peter who is super, super spiritual. I mean, he walked on water. Anybody else here ever walk on water? Like that's not deeper than six inches? No, Peter walked on water. Peter, Peter saw miracles. Peter was, he was part of Jesus' movement for three years. Like he walked with Jesus. He, he talked with Jesus. He, he, he saw Jesus at his every moment of the day. They, I mean, he left everything and followed Jesus. Super, super spiritual. The problem with this is that Jesus didn't need Peter super spiritual. He needed Peter mature. And sometimes in the church, we follow super spirituality, but we don't follow maturity. And it's all about maturity. It's all about Jesus allows Peter to go through this, I think, because he wants to plant a church through him, but he doesn't need him to be super spiritual. Yeah, I'll go to prison with you. I'll go to death with you. He just needs to be mature. And there's a big difference there between being super spiritual and super. In fact, Peter or Paul calls them the super apostles. He said, I'm not part of the super apostles. I, I'm not part, and it's not really a compliment. It's kind of an insult, because then he goes on to talk about how he was shipwrecked, how he was abandoned, how he's left for dead, how he's beaten three times within a stripe of his death, how he's turned his back on by his enemies, turned his back on by his friends. He, he had the weight of the churches on him, all these things, but yet he wasn't a super apostle. And we see super spirituality in churches, but there's not any maturity because people have to come every week. They have to read their Bible every day. They have to pray. Janie watched our two youngest grandkids this week, uh, Selah and Judah. She watched them for three, three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And uh, uh, totally, like, I was wore out just watching. And she said, but you didn't do anything. I know I was tired. I was just tired watching. She, she, that just wore me out. But little Judah was sitting in his high chair. He's 21 months old. So those of you who are a little bit math challenged, that's three months before two, right? So not quite two, 21 months. And he starts counting in Spanish from like zero, one to uno to ten. What's ten? Diez. All right, whatever. Uh, I don't know Spanish. I mean, I uno dos 
Thrace, I think. Is that, is that right? Am I right there? Okay, good. So I thought maybe it was just something he like learned, but he only knew it. So somebody would say like uno, and he would say dos. Someone would say tres, and he would say cuatro. Someone would say, yeah. And then, then he would say back and forth. Like he's 21 months, and he knows Spanish from zero to ten. It's like, wow, I don't know it. And, and, and he walks, he's running all around the house, and I'm thinking, man, this is like, he's like, he can count to 10 in Spanish. He can run around the house. He knows all of his colors. He knows trucks and cars and bikes, but he can't change his own diaper, which my wife wished he would have known this week. Are you with me? Like, there was a couple times, mm, don't want to go there, too graphic, all right? Like, those days are way, way far away. And so what is he? Super intelligent, but he's not mature yet. That's to be expected in church. Sometimes that's people in the church. We don't want to hide someone's giftings, but we don't want to idolize them either. And here's what Peter was doing. He wasn't idolizing Jesus. He was idolizing Jesus' power. And Jesus had to allow him to go through some things in life to say, wait a second, Peter, I want to use you, but I've got to mature you first. And Peter is falling into the enemy's trap by being front row Peter, Christian, I'm going to walk on water. He rebukes the Lord. All these things that Jesus is telling, like, uh, Man is not, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, Peter, but my Father which is in heaven, when, Pete, when Jesus says, who am I? You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. It's with power. It's with conviction. And it's the person that's on the front row, but before long, that person is following at a distance. Why? Because they're not turning into Jesus the way Jesus was turning into them. They're not saying, they're, they're following what Jesus can do for them. They're not following Jesus through thick and thin. And so he moves there, and this is the first step. If you're in that step, let me bring you back for a moment. Stop falling from a distance. Read, read, a, read your Bible daily. Pray daily. Worship daily. Do a devotion. You don't have to spend like two or three hours. Just wake up in the morning and say, hello, Jesus, here I am. I want, I want to find a devotion. There's some great apps out there. There's, a, there's some great Bibles out there. Janie mentioned one, the Passion Bible. There's some good stuff out there. Maybe you're just old school King James. That's all right, too. Just Get in your word. Because Peter walked with Jesus for three years, and he still fell. Now, if you think Satan was going to go after Peter, don't you think he'd go after some of the low-hanging fruit? Like, that guy ain't read his book for two or three weeks. I'm going to really attack him today. This week, I'm just going to get all over his case. And all of a sudden, we don't think Jesus loves us. And Peter let fear set in, and he started following at a distance. Let's go to the 55th verse, and he says this. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. One translation says he warmed himself by the wrong fire. In other words, he got in the wrong crowd. Now he's totally disassociated himself. Like where's, we know Judas wouldn't hang, hung himself. Where's the other ten at? Why isn't Peter at least with them? These guys scattered all around. They ran. They left. And Peter's like, he's hanging out with another crowd now. Like Sometimes if we're not careful, we, we warm ourselves at a fire that we don't belong to. We warm ourselves at a fire of gossip or a fire of accusations or a fire of judgment. Or we warm ourselves with wrong people that are, are, we're not transforming. Like in our family, we would allow our kids to go do stuff. And we would say this, if you're not changing them, they're changing you. 
who's going to win this thing. Because when we start seeing them change you, we're pulling you from that deal. We don't care if it's a sport or a club or a school. Trust me, we pull them out of everything. Not that they, but so they understood it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring, I'm going to change. I'm going to bring change. One Sunday morning, I've preached on this before, I woke up and there were six girls in our living room sleeping. Jessica's, part of Jessica's softball team. Every one of those girls who went to church with us that day went forward and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. You can make a difference in your life. What, did I say something wrong? Oh, it was basketball, not so. It was basketball. Sorry, Jess. Basketball. They were all there. They were seniors. She was a freshman. There was juniors and seniors. There. They, were, they were laying on our, our living room floor. I said, honey, we've been overtaken. There's a mob in our living room. Yeah, it's just Jessica's friends. Well, how come? Well, they had a game late last night, and she invited them over. They decided to stay. Are they? I said, well, we got to go to church. They're coming to church. They're coming to church. They're coming to church. You need to warm yourself by the right fire. But if you warm yourself by, by the wrong fire, it needs to be for the right reasons. Here, Listen, because here's, what, here's where legalism comes in. I can't go there. Pastor, they're sinners. I, I got to stay away. Jesus was a friend of sinners, church. So if you warm yourself by the wrong fire, it's got to be for the right reasons. Are you with me? This, this, when, we, when we go out and evangelize and knock on doors, okay, one day I went out with two guys from our church, and the two guys from our church are fairly good-sized guys, and they, they carry some safety equipment right here behind their. Janie said, I like you going with those guys. I like their safety equipment. So we were going. We were walking up the street. One guy was lingering back. He had been praying for some people. Another guy, he, was, he went ahead. So I'm, I'm walking up on the opposite side of the street by myself, and I'm kind of looking back. I don't see him. We're in a, a known drug area in Hickory. And, yes, Hickory is a known drug town. It's, it's national. And so we're walking through this area. I'm walking this area, and I like, to, I like to respect people's lawn, okay? And so in the area we were at, the people care more about their weed than they do their grass. And so I walked down the sidewalk. In this particular case, I got a little lazy, so I walked across the front yard. There was bushes on the, in front of the house, and I came around the, the house. I went to the front porch. There was five people on the front porch smoking a bowl of meth. Three of them were guys much larger than me. One was in a wheel, one, a fourth one was in a wheelchair, and then there was a lady. And the one guy started cussing me out. What the blank you doing here? Who the blank you think you are? And the, our guy uh, on our team is a shirt printer, and so he prints us up these loud, like lime green shirts, right? So you can see it's coming like two or three blocks away. And so it says Grace Church on it, evangelistic team, Encounter Life. And so um, another guy, he reaches behind him on something. I can only guess what that is, and all this takes place like in the first seven or eight seconds, and he keeps his hand on whatever it is back there. I only think maybe it's his safety device, and I don't have one, and so uh, I say, hey, my name's Mark. I'm with Grace Church, and we're just out. I say we because I got two guys somewhere just in case something goes south. I need to let them know I'm not by myself, although it looks like I'm by myself because I don't know where my other two guys are at. So we're out praying for people today. Is there, is there anything we can pray with you about? And the lady says, you could pray for, and she, she names the name of the, the young man who's been apparently in the wheelchair for a long time because his limbs were pretty much um, non-useful, and his muscles looked like they had atrophied, and it just, it, it was just, uh, he was just kind of sitting there. And I asked for his first name, and I said, yeah, would you guys pray with me? And 
and uh, they all bowed their heads. And so they had some kind of prayer in their life at some point in time. Maybe they were raised in church. Maybe they had a, a grandma or mother or father that prayed for them. And, and we started praying, and I asked the Lord just to come in and, and, and bless this young man and take care of him. And, and as I was finishing up my prayer, I, I had my head up too because I had my eyes closed. And these three big guys, their, their tears were just running down their face. And, and I'd like to tell you that the young man got up out of his wheelchair and, and ran and gave me a hug. He didn't. I'd like to tell you that maybe they all converted their lives to Christ at that point in time. And I don't know if they did, but I can tell you this, that they were touched by the fact that someone would go out of their way and maybe warm themselves by the wrong fire, but for the right reasons. And the lady said, hey, hey, uh, what church do you go to? And I said, we go, I go to Grace Church, and, and we try to live by the name. We want to be grace-filled people. But So you listen, you can warm yourself by the wrong fire. It's got to be for the right reasons. Otherwise, we become legalistic and say, now we can't hang around those people. We, we can't do that. And, and there are certain people that you should certainly stay away from unless the Holy Spirit tells you, unctions you, and positions you. Peter was simply running from God. And when you know when you're running from God, if the people that maybe have different non-Christ-like standards are the ones that you continue to want to be around. That's warming yourself with the wrong fire. And Peter was doing that. And so he, he goes from drifting away, from, from, from following from a distance, to now warming himself at the wrong fire. To Let's go to verse number 56, and then I think 57. It says, Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. Now, this girl, historians, I think Scripture tells us, was young. She was uh, maybe 12 or 13, 14 years old. But Peter now rises up, I do not know him. He denies Christ, which earlier in that evening he said he would never do. And we get to the point, if we're not careful, from being a front row, Christ follower, rock star, Christian, I love Jesus, I got the bumper sticker, to a back row, following at a distance to where all of a sudden we start to walk in denial of who Christ can be in us. And who can price it? It's like Paul said, they have the power, but they, deny, they have all the looks of it, but they deny the power of the church. Like the church looks good. Like I don't want a church that just looks good. I want a church that's powerful in the eyes of God, right? We don't have to be super spiritual. We can be, but we just have to be really good Christ followers. Just people that love on Jesus and love to be around people that love on Jesus and people that don't love Jesus, we like to be around them so that we can show them the true love of Christ. I think Jesus is allowing Peter to go through something in his life, something in his walk that's going to not only make him a better Christian, a Christ follower, but is also going to make him a better leader in the church. Because you can really visit with someone if you've been through the same thing that person's going through. So he denies Christ. Mark 8 and 38 says this, for whosoever is ashamed of me, Jesus speaking, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the angels. This is not an allegory. This is not a metaphor. This is not a, a parable. This is Jesus saying, listen, church, we need to recognize outside of the church of who we're not ashamed of. We need to be Christ followers. and We don't, we don't need to throw the Bible at people. We simply just need to love them into the kingdom. 
Wouldn't it be great if someone said, man, what church do you go to? I've never really understand what it was like to follow Christ because I've been judged my whole life. It would be great just to say, well, listen, come to church. We're all like flawed individuals. None of us are perfect, and we can just kind of learn this thing together. If you follow Christ or want to follow Christ, and I follow Christ or want to follow Christ, let's follow Christ together. And if you don't believe there's a Christ, let's, let's open the Bible and see. And if you don't believe the Bible, let's, just, let's, let's at least start somewhere. You're a living, breathing human being. You are important to God. But he denies Jesus. And let's go on to the next verse, verse number 58. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And this is kind of a, a slip of the tongue. He's not who he was supposed to be in Christ. He's supposed to be a victorious warrior. He's supposed to be a soldier of the kingdom. He's supposed to be joint heirs with Christ. And Peter tells him what's going to happen, and yet he said he denies it. And then he said, no, I'm not that type of person. Verse number 59, Then, and after an interview interval of about an hour. So this is all happening very rapidly. Still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. Let's go to verse 60. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Denies him the third time and you know the scripture and the rest of the story and immediately while he was still speaking the rooster crowed and all of a sudden Peter sinks and maybe you've been to that point in your life where the Holy Spirit's kind of knocked on your door you know you feel like man I shouldn't do that I'm not I mean I'm not I'm, it's not like that's not right and all of a sudden you do something you say something you hear something you go somewhere whatever the case may be and then that, that spiritual thing just kind of just sinks to your belly and you become sick. And then verse 61 is kind of the cap. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Now here's what I think. I think right there when Jesus turns and looks at Peter, he's looking at him with eyes of love. He's looking at him with eyes of forgiveness. He's looking at him with eyes of hope. He has to almost allow Peter to go through this situation in his life so that he can understand, now I can trust you. See, if he's super Christian, super spiritual Peter, if he's the super apostle that Paul's talking about and he never has to endure this epic failure, then to him it's going to be easy to demand that someone just gets out of their sin just like that, just gets recovered from their addiction just like that, just moves on with their past just like that. He's got to walk through this. And so I think what Jesus is looking at him now is the birth of the church because he almost takes Peter through a um, spiritual death, burial, and resurrection right there. So now he knows, listen, you understand what failure is about. And Jesus does a couple things. Let's go back to verse number 31 for a second. He does three things that I think are extremely important that you need to know. First of all, he prophesies over him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demands to have you. In fact, one translation says wishes to have you. But he said, listen, Peter, and it's, like, it's kind of like when you call someone's name twice or in scriptures where Jesus says, verily, verily, I send you, listen up. Peter, Satan wants you. Church, Satan wants you. People, Christ followers, Satan wants you. He's not holding back. He's not laying back. This is not just some fun game. And at the end of the day, we, shut, we 
close up the game board, put the game away, and we move on. You're in a war. You need to know that. Simon, Simon. So he prophesies to Simon Peter. Satan wishes to have you. That's the first thing. There's, it's prophetic. The second thing then is verse 32. But I have prayed for you. And this is important. This is really important to know because for my whole life, I always wondered why in the world did Jesus just pray for him and not just get rid of, just get rid of the enemy? Like, wouldn't it be so much easier if Satan would just get saved? I'm, I'm, I'm like a bottom liner, common sense. Well, if we could just get Satan saved, we'd be all right. That's just not how it works, right? But man, it's so much easier. Like, why did Jesus say, I've prayed for you, when he could have just said, I have stopped him? Because Paul says in Romans that Jesus took the right hand of God, all right, the power position, and he makes intercession for us daily. So he's praying for us as well. This is just a part of the Christ following life that you're going to have some days where it seems like I'm walking through a valley of death, like everything is against me. Nothing is working out. Why is everything failing? And all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, this did happen to other people in the kingdom. One of them being Peter, Satan got a hold of him. Not that God caused this thing, but he allowed it so that he could understand there's a trust there. And I'm going to pray for you, Peter, that it does not happen. Like, it doesn't turn into bad, but there's an epic failure here of Peter just bailing out on Jesus, whom he walked with for three years. And maybe you're there. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you might be there. Like, what about, what about it, God? Why, why in the world, why are these things happening to me? I pay my tithes. I, I worship you. I come to church. I'm very faithful. Why in the world is it not working out for me? And I am, for one, have had those conversations with God in the past. Lord, I am doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Everything I know to do, I'm doing. Why is it not working out? What's up? And I think Peter was right there. But Jesus is saying, wait a second, Peter. I've prayed for you. So he prophesies over him. Then he prays over him. Then he prepares him. And he says that your faith may not fail. And when you have returned... Strengthen your brothers. In other words, right here, I think, my opinion, is when the seed of the church was planted. This, this is the seed. This is not Peter preaching on uh, Pentecost Sunday, Acts, the second chapter. This is not him being full of the Holy Spirit. This is him still kind of hiding out. But at that moment, he says, when you return. And that was the look in verse 61. He looked into his eyes. When you return. Go ahead and strengthen your brothers. What, why is he strengthening his brothers? Why? Because he knows that every person is going to go through this spiritual death, burial, and resurrection where we just kind of, we, we lose hope at some point in time. Where we, we thought everything was just going to go away when we start following Christ. Everything's going to be all right. And it's just like, why did, why did this cancer have to come upon? Why did this divorce have to come upon? Why did this bankruptcy have to come upon? Why did this layoff have to come upon? Why do these things have to happen to me? And why are they always happening? But Jesus said, I am praying for you. See, church... It's, it's a really, really deep thought that you need to gravitate to. As Peter walked arm in arm and hand in hand with Jesus for three years, three solid years, and yet just in a moment, 
He totally walked away from him. But again, Jesus operates at the prophetic. Peter, when you return, come on back, worship team. When, when you return, see, let's, let's talk this out for a second. It can start with a bad attitude. It can start with, you know, I, I don't like it that way. I don't, I, I don't like that. I don't like what's going on. It can start with things aren't right. It can, it can start with just a, just a, just a, distim, uh, uh, just a, a demeanor. And then all of a sudden, we start that following at a distance. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, I'm not going to. It just ain't worth it. But to, to follow Christ and to walk in a, a fellowship with him means I'm not backing up. I'm moving in. It means I'm not running away. I'm running too. And when we look at that through Jesus' eyes, it's like, man, just name yourself for a second. I'm praying for you. Jesus is saying, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. He wants those people, us, he wants churches across the world to run to him, not from him, not away from him. And then he says that epic line, it's like a great movie line, but when you return, you strengthen your brothers. That's the work of the church. So the work of the church is not to push people out, it's to bring people in. It's not to push people away, it's to bring them to it's not, to, it's not to look at things and make them all spiritual. It's to look at things and say, man, how can I be a, just a loving, kind person to that person? How can I be a loving, kind person to, how can I be Jesus to that person today? And that's, that's, that's the birth of the church. Jesus allows Peter to go through this thing as an example to us that says, wait a second, you, me, we might be falling at a distance when we return, he lets use that to help it with somebody else. Why don't you stand with me right where you're at? Just for a moment, close your eyes and bow your head. Just kind of meditate on the Lord. Maybe today you're a Christ follower. Maybe you're not. And if you're online, just kind of just lock in with us for a second. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're, maybe you've been following at a distance. Maybe you were that super spiritual guy at one time, and all of a sudden it's like hey, I don't, I don't need this, or maybe you've been offended or hurt by the church, or maybe you're angry or judging, or maybe, you just, maybe, maybe you're falling at a distance, or maybe you've actually just denied Christ. Hey, I've tried God. I don't, need, I don't need to do this. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. If you're here and you said, man, I just need a closer walk with Jesus. That's, what about, that's the bottom line. Just raise your hand so we can pray for you right now. Thank you for that. Listen, we're all there. We're, we're all there. I just need a closer, I just want a closer walk with Jesus. That's it. I just want a closer walk with Jesus. I, it's just too much, too much junk that the enemy can throw in your way. Can I just have a closer walk with Jesus? Can I just, can I just have that that love, that wrap around my his arms wrapped around me? Can he just can he just restore me? Can he just and as he restores you, he brings then you to fruition where all of a sudden it becomes life-giving and you become a life-giver. I want to pray for those that raise their hands today. Maybe you're watching online. I want to pray for you as well. Father, in Jesus' name, or those that raise their hand that just want a closer walk with you. Maybe they've been watching from a distance. Maybe they've been just following from a distance. Maybe they haven't been pressing in. And maybe you've allowed that in their life and you've prayed for them. So now we pray for them as well and pray, Lord, that they could just become 
the person you need them to be. We're not against super spiritual Christians. We, we love them. We need them. We just want the person to, 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 to be called by you, followed by you, followed in you, and walk with you. So, Father, we pray right now today that you would mature us all, mature us as a church, mature us as followers, mature us as believers, like you did, Peter, like you did, Father, Lord, the, the, the disciples, Father, Lord, who, who remain true in you. We pray blessings upon, Father, Lord, each person here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One quick word before we sing this next song. If you'll read First and Second Peter this week, it was written about 30 years after this particular case. And you see a grace-filled Peter. I mean, you see a Peter that is absolutely filled with grace. He's not brash. He's not bold. He's loving. He's kind. He chooses his words. And he's full of grace and full of love. That's the type of maturity that the Lord took him through when he brought him to Messiah. God bless you. Let's worship one more song.
represents and what it should represent. Maybe I say that, what it should represent. It should represent grace and mercy and love, reconciliation. It should never represent condemnation and conviction and um, tearing people down. Let that never be, Grace Church. Amen. Let us always have those welcome arms that say, hey, we love you just like you are. We're all a work in progress, and God's working on all of us, and, and he will restore. He loves the church. God loves the church. He built the church. So it's going to be a great series on the church. So I'm excited about that. Um, we, we have some coffee. We should have self-serve out there if anybody needs to get coffee. I know the lines were a little long today, so if you like to work in coffee shop, I don't have time to do both, but um, I'm going to apologize if you got coffee and it was super strong. We ran out of iced coffee, so you got cold brew. My pillow's stronger, so you kids might be bouncing just a little bit this afternoon, but hey, you know what, have some fun with it and go jog a mile do something like that but um so yeah if you're looking for an area you say i just love to get plugged in um come see me and i will get you hooked up with the coffee shop because we are in desperate need of coffee help so that'd be great let me pray for you father we love you and we bless you and we thank you for your church we thank you that lord that um you love the church so much lord that you gave your one and only son lord for all of us lord so lord let this just um, be in our hearts and in our spirits and go with us and just um, let us glorify you in everything we do we bless your name in jesus name love you so much have a blessed day thank you for joining us for today's service if god is impacting your life through this ministry join us in reaching others by investing today you can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.